0: Below the thunders of the upper deep, Far, far beneath in the abysmal sea, His ancient dreamless uninvaded sleep, The kraken sleepeth, faintest sunlight's flee. About his shadowy sides above him swell, Huge sponges of millennial growth and height, And far away into the sickly light, from many a wondrous grot and secret cell. Unnumbered and enormous polypi, winnow with giant arms the slumbering green, there hath he lain for ages and will lie, battening upon huge sea worms in his sleep. Until the latter fire shall heat the deep, then once by man and angels to be seen, in roaring he shall rise and on the surface die. The Kraken by Alfred Lord Tennyson Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the largest and the most terrifying legend of the seas, the Kraken. This show is part of the EerieCast podcast network. Find more terrifying tales at eeriecast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave us an honest review on iTunes too. The more we get, the more we grow and hopefully the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, You can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. My father loved to fish. I'm not talking about grabbing your pole and heading down to the pond. I mean, he was obsessed. I am Daniel Holthusen, and my dad was Eric Holthusen. My dad started dragging me to every lake, river, and creek that he could find as soon as I learned to walk. We went to the Madison River in Montana because dad heard it was the best location in the country. I am pretty sure we went spin fishing in every body of water in the state of Louisiana, which is the state I was born and raised in. His dream was to travel the world on one long fishing trip and he wanted his first destination to be Norway. Dad sounded like a travel brochure when he talked about it. I can still hear the wonder in his voice when he described it. Norway has always had a lot going for it. Number one, the country boasts the single longest coastline in Europe. Stretching over 34,000 miles, Norway's shores meet the North, Norwegian, and the Barents Seas. Craggy and beautiful. The coast is dotted with hundreds of narrow inlets called fjords. Norway's fjords are teeming with fish, and because of the country's well-developed infrastructure, you can reach most of them with relative ease. Norway's seas have a mild temperature compared to other countries on the same latitude. Warm waters create nutrients which in turn attract several exciting game fish to the area. Because of this, the seas of Norway are excellent for fishing for the likes of Atlantic cod, haddock, halibut, and mackerel. That is where I want to go, son. That is fishing paradise. I was 22 the year of my parents' 25th wedding anniversary. My mom surprised my dad with a trip to Norway for two. She said the only condition was that he had to take someone other than her with him. Mom was terrified of flying. His first thought was to take me, but I had to go back to school in a few weeks. I told him that we could go again someday and that he should just take one of his friends. So he chose his second favorite fishing buddy and friend since high school, Frank Nash. Frank acted like he had won the lottery. I will never forget how excited they were the week before the trip. They departed the Alexandria International Airport on a Sunday and I had to return to school the following Monday. That was the last time I ever saw my dad. The phone call that my mom got a week later was devastating and very mysterious. An official from the Norwegian Coast Guard called. The man on the phone said that my dad's charter had gone missing at sea. When they sent out search and rescue, it took two days to find the wreckage. The boat had sank and looked like it had been torn in half. They couldn't find any possible cause, because it looked as if the hole had been broken right down the middle like a twig being snapped by hand. The search went on for a couple of weeks, but they never found any signs of survivors, and weirdly enough, they never found any bodies. We waited for nearly a month before planning a memorial service. My mom was never the same and I felt like I had lost a big chunk of myself. The next three years were hard, but I made a vow to go to Norway to follow in my dad's footsteps. Even if I couldn't solve the mystery, maybe I could get some closure. It took working two jobs to save the money for the trip. I dropped out of school because my new obsession with this trip had become my top priority. It was hard to focus anyway, because I seemed to have lost my passion for learning or anything that had to do with my future. I had never told my mom of my plans to go to Norway, and when I finally told her, a few weeks before my trip, she had a meltdown. She cried and begged me not to go. I felt bad, but this trip had consumed my mind for so long that I didn't want to think of much else. I finally managed to calm her down, I told her that I would only be gone a couple of weeks, and I promised her that I would be careful. I don't think she believed me, but she could tell that nothing was going to change my mind. I caught my flight within a week of the anniversary of the day my dad had left. I wanted everything to be as similar as possible. Dad had rented a holiday home, which was basically a cabin-like house on the coast with a view of the sea from the front deck and a view of the snow-tipped mountains from the back. I had reserved a year in advance and had been lucky enough to get the same cabin. I can't describe the feeling I felt walking through the cabin the first day, knowing that I was where he had been on his last days. It was a two-bedroom, and I picked the one with the ocean view from the window. If I knew my dad, that was the room he would have picked too. I wondered as I lay there that night what had been going through his mind. I bet he could barely sleep, because he would have been so excited. I could barely sleep, but it was not excitement that kept me awake. I did drift off eventually, and I found myself standing on the bow of a boat. I wasn't sure how I had gotten there. But I could hear a roaring sound, and I knew instantly I should be terrified. But I didn't know why. The wind was blowing, and rain was hitting my face so hard it felt like tiny pellets bouncing off of my skin. I could see something rising out of the sea. I woke suddenly, covered in sweat. I was breathing heavy, and it took a minute to calm myself. As quickly as the dream came, it began to fade.
1: With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? They are octopus-like beasts of gargantuan size, said to have dwelled off the coast of Norway and Iceland. They are depicted in history to be as large as an island or a mountain. The kraken has a taste for human flesh, and it is said they can devour an entire ship's crew at once. Legend says that the sea monster enjoys solitude and resides deep on the ocean floor. It uses its tentacles to stay tethered to the bottom and hunts for food. The beast will only surface in warm weather or when disrupted. It has the appearance of a gigantic cephalopod-like beast with a squid-like mantle and several long, suckered tentacles at the base of its head. It also has a long, sharp tail like a squid and large, round eyes with orange irises and black pupils. The kraken also has a maw-like mouth surrounded by fangs below its large eyes, and its body is at least twice as long as its tentacles. Krakens are physically strong and agile. They are also stealthy and capable of sudden attack. They have tentacles large enough to wrap around an entire ship. The tentacles and strength of the kraken are not even the most dangerous weapons that the beast has in its arsenal of deadly talent, but that the simple movements of the sea monster on the seabed are enough to generate vortices of such power that it could swallow whole boats. Perhaps the most interesting thing about this beast is his unique hunting strategy. The kraken feeds on fish, thousands and thousands of fish, But rather than swimming around the ocean, snapping up fish one by one, he has devised a way to make dinner come to him. After the kraken digests a round of fish, which can take up to three months, he recycles the waste, spewing out so much vomit or excrement that the water around him is muddied and turbid. It may sound disgusting, but this muddiness is said to be very agreeable to the smell or taste of other fish and they gather from all over to it and keep directly over the kraken. He then opens his arms, seizes and swallows his welcome guests, and converts by digestion to his next round of bait. This hunting method is so effective that ancient Nordic fishermen sought out the kraken, braving his wrath to get in on the bounty of fish who swarmed above him. If sailors saw gurgling bubbles, surfacing fish, or a plethora of jellyfish, they knew something was up down below. While fleeing sea life always preceded the kraken's approach, their appearance unfortunately didn't give sailors enough time to get out of the way. The monster's great size and many tentacles make it a difficult predator to evade. The kraken has other skills too, although none of them are quite as practical as his hunting strategy. When he moves, he can create whirlpools that suck ships to a watery grave. He can also make vocal calls that cause underwater earthquakes. The Kraken only has one weakness, and that is that he is not immortal, and that he can be killed. But how do you kill a monster so large and so strong that attacks without warning? The kraken legend may have come from an early sighting of the giant squid because they are quite similar and almost as equally daunting. Based on the ancient descriptions of the kraken, most biologists believe that what ancient sailors were describing were giant squids. As members of the squid and octopi family, giant squids are an elusive deep ocean dwelling animal that can grow as long as 45 feet in length. The largest giant squid on record measured 59 feet in length and weighed nearly a ton. On average, a giant squid measures around 33 feet, including the tentacles. That's about the size of a school bus, but still 7,887 feet smaller than the kraken was believed to be. Even though the giant squid is so large, researchers know very little about the animal. Only a few carcasses have ever washed ashore for scientists to study. If the giant squid is the mysterious kraken, then it became more introverted than it was in the days of the Viking sailing expeditions. The animal is rarely seen and even more rarely photographed. The first photograph of a live squid in the ocean was not captured until 2004 and the first video of a giant squid was not filmed until 2012. It is believed that the story of the kraken may have originated from 12th century myths out of Norway. The kraken was known as a terrifying squid, octopus-like sea monster of massive proportions. Some accounts even claim the beast was over a mile long. As with most legends, stories have been passed down from generation to generation about the kraken. Most describe a giant squid-like monster that rises from the deep and reaches its long arms all the way up to the tops of a ship's masts and engulfing the entire ship. The crew of the ship in some cases were left to drown, but in more terrifying cases were swallowed up by the creature. Most of these stories have been around since ancient times and many of them come out of Greek mythology. King Odysseus is said to have sailed past a giant sea creature with long horns and huge eyes. The first written history of the kraken goes back to an account written in 1180 by King Sverre of Norway. As with most legends, the kraken started from something real, based on sightings of a real animal, the giant squid. As decades passed, the beast legend grew larger and larger, with heroes in some of Norway's first epic tales, like the Orva-Adris, having close encounters with the monster. For the ancient navigators, the sea was treacherous and perilous, hiding a horde of monsters in its improbable depths. Any encounter with an unknown animal could gain a mythological edge from sailor stories. After all, the tale grows in the telling. The history of the Kraken can be traced back to a few notable legends and folktales, but if you look more deeply at the evolving stories, sightings of the Kraken fill a cloud of information that spans centuries. The many accounts of the creature varied widely, from the creature being octopus-like to other times looking more like a giant crab or lobster. The Kraken's size being its most defining quality was also widely inconsistent ranging from 100 feet to miles in different accounts. Between the 13th and 19th century, sailors aimlessly used the term kraken to label any enormous, unidentifiable or unexplainable sea creature that may have crossed their paths during early ocean exploration. This process is remarkably scientific in a certain sense, despite the myths and magic that would eventually be associated with the beast. It is likely that these reports were made about actual sea creatures such as the humpback whale that looks crab-like from the distance, and the giant and colossal squids that are enormous in size. Alfred Lord Tennyson published The Kraken in 1830 in poems, chiefly lyrical. A sonnet with an extra line. The poem is about the mythical sea monster known as the Kraken a legendary beast that has haunted old sailors' stories, folklore, and literature since the 13th century. In 1848, the frigate Daedalus encountered a sea monster that the sailors estimated to be at least 60 feet long, which caused a sensation. Sir Richard Owen, the man who invented the word dinosaur, argued that they saw a seal, which led to a long-standing argument between Owen and the captain of the Daedalus who pointed out that they knew full well what a seal looked like. There were similar observations in 1845 that Owen similarly dismissed until 1873, when a fisherman caught a giant squid. In just a few decades in the mid-1800s, the kraken grew rapidly into a symbol of popular science fiction literature. In 1851, the kraken was referenced in Moby Dick, And then again in 1871, it was referenced in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. There once was a time when uttering the word Kraken sent chills down a mariner's spine. Today, we see the monster largely as fiction. But that doesn't mean it isn't real. For a mythical creature, this giant squid gets a lot of attention. From the 13th century to modern times, you can find the monster in poems, novels, television shows, video games, and movies. Several products and companies also borrow the moniker. The legendary Kraken has appeared in many movies over the years. In 2006, Captain Jack Sparrow had an encounter with the Kraken in its Pirates of the Caribbean, too. Under Davy Jones' command, the Kraken brought Jones ever more souls to join his crew aboard the Flying Dutchman, dying sailors forever impressed into servitude on his cursed ship. After becoming a marked man with the black spot, ensuring that the Kraken would come, Captain Jack Sparrow attempted to find the dead man's chest, which contained the heart of Davy Jones. Jack planned to use the heart to make Jones call off the Kraken. However, Jack's plan ultimately failed as he ended up facing the merciless Kraken as it dragged both Jack and the Black Pearl to the depths of the ocean. Afterwards, to the dismay of Davy Jones, who then served under the East India Trading Company, the Kraken would face death as Lord Cutler Beckett's forces was bearing down on the seas. The Kraken is the main antagonist and adversary of Perseus in the 2010 Clash of the Titans. The Kraken is seen in the beginning when the narrator explains Hades created him to slay the Titans. He was then tricked into the Underworld. It is assumed that Zeus forced Hades to lock up the Kraken so he wouldn't harm anyone. The Kraken was released onto Argos to destroy it but Perseus slay him with Medusa's head that turned the beast to stone. In various comics, particularly DC and Marvel comics, multiple creatures have been named Kraken. The Kraken from the Umbrella Academy was named so after the Kraken sea monster, as he can breathe underwater. In the Disney comic series Tamers of Non-Human Threats, the Kraken appears in the fifth story, Let's get Kraken. In this story, the Kraken has a natural enemy, the sperm whale. The Kraken has appeared in many video games over the years too. In The God of War, the Kraken appears as a large aquatic beast with many large tentacles. He is a major boss that the main character Kratos must defeat. The makers of Final Fantasy have used the Kraken in three of their video games. In the original Final Fantasy, a Kraken is one of the four elemental fiends representing water. This enemy reappears in Final Fantasy III, Final Fantasy IX, and Final Fantasy XI. What if the Kraken really existed today? There would not be any exotic vacation cruises. That tuna salad that you love to eat for lunch would become a rare delicacy. We would no longer be at the top of the food chain, but more likely, we would be at the top of the Kraken's menu. Only 5% of the ocean has been explored by man, so the creepy fact is, we don't know what monsters may still dwell in the deep. There was a crew of six men on the boat I had chartered, the captain his first mate, an engineer, a deckhand, the cook, and a steward. There were at least ten other passengers, two married couples, two guys who seemed to be old buddies, and a father and his two sons. I was envious of this last set. I should have been with my dad. Maybe he would have come home to us. It was an overnight cruise that left port around 1 a.m., After settling into my tiny cabin, I made my way around deck to watch the crew work. It was fascinating how they worked as one to bring the boat to life. I was watching the captain from just below the helm when he caught sight of me and motioned for me to step up next to him. After introductions, he asked me why someone so young was on a trip like this alone. I hesitantly told him about my dad. After a moment in thought, he told me that he remembered when my dad's boat had wrecked. There was a lot of talk amongst the locals as to what had happened. He chuckled a little when he told me that many believed it was a sea beast that had taken down the boat. He said that stories had passed from generation to generation about the monster and that the locals were very superstitious. His face took on a serious look when he told me that no boat had attempted to drop anchor in the same place that my dad's boat had since the incident. He explained that we would be a couple of miles away from the exact location, but that is as close as we would get. I stayed on the bow for the better part of the trip out. I enjoyed watching as the boat bounced in the waves. I was lucky that I wasn't prone to motion sickness because the bouncing would have been enough to do it. It was sunrise when the sound of the engines lowered and we dropped anchor. The fishing gear was provided, and even though I hadn't planned on fishing, I realized that if my dad knew I had made this trip without so much as dropping a line, he would be beside himself. So I grabbed a rig for my dad and spent a few hours fishing. The weather was just as amazing here as my dad had told me. The air on the water was a little crisp, and at sunrise the sun reflecting off the water was a little blinding, but overall the experience was breathtaking. On one side you could still see the snow-peaked mountains in the distance, and on the other there was nothing but ocean as far as the eye could see. I caught a good-sized cod with my first cast. It had to have been around 14 pounds. I imagined my dad's face if he had been there. He would have said, That's a keeper, son. My heart was heavy again, but I still smiled at the thought of my dad. I spent the first half of the day reeling in fish of various shapes and sizes. It was bittersweet, and I hoped my dad had gotten to experience this before... I decided late in the afternoon to take a nap so I would be able to do some night fishing. I was staring out the porthole as I drifted off to sleep. I was resting well when I was startled awake by excited voices yelling from what felt like all around me. Pulling my boots back on, I stood and grabbed my windbreaker. I was back on deck in just a few minutes. The passengers were excited, some were pointing out to the water. I made my way to the side of the deck and what I saw blew my mind. There were not hundreds, but thousands of fish of all kinds bouncing around on the top of the water. It looked as if they were trying to escape the ocean. I noticed quickly that the crew were not as excited as the passengers. They were wearing frowns of worry. The captain was whispering to the first mate, and I suddenly got a sick feeling in my stomach. It almost felt like deja vu. The captain yelled, Weigh anchor, which meant that he wanted the anchor lifted so that we could depart. Curiosity consumed me, so I made my way up to the helm and asked the captain what was going on. I probably shouldn't have bothered him, because at that moment he seemed subdued. Still barking orders to his crew, he paused long enough to tell me that this many fish surfacing at once was a bad omen. He said that they would move the boat to another location for the night. Trying to stay out of the way, I made my way to my favorite spot on the bow and leaned against the railing. I watched the fish jumping out of the water but I also kept a close eye on the crew while they were working. It was almost dinner, so the crew announced the meal time and one of them escorted the passengers down to the dinette. I politely refrained, feeling like dinner was being used as a distraction and I didn't want to miss anything. It was starting to get dark and you could see lightning miles out into the ocean The captain said that it was a polar low and could, though unlikely, be potentially dangerous. A couple of hours later, after the sun had completely set, it was clear that the storm was going to hit us head on. The winds were picking up and rain was starting to pelt the deck of the ship and everyone on it. All the passengers, except me, had been ordered to remain below deck. They had tried to get me to go, but I had refused. I stood there with the rain hitting my face, imagining that this was the same scenario that my dad had faced. I had been gripping the railing so hard that my knuckles had turned white. One of the crew, I don't know which one, brought me a raincoat. I shrugged it on as I watched the ocean swell. It was eerily beautiful watching the waves glow every time the sky would light up. Suddenly I remembered. I had seen this in my dream. Just as I made that realization, there was a crash in the water. I couldn't tell which direction it had come from. It sounded like something huge had fell out of the sky and crashed into the water. The rain was coming down hard now and was stinging my eyes. I heard one of the crew yelling, but his yell turned into a scream. I looked in his direction and it looked as if he was being lifted into the sky but just as suddenly he was plunged down into the angry ocean. I couldn't begin to understand what I was seeing. I could hear men yelling from all directions, it was disorienting. As I was trying to make out what was going on I saw a large snake-like object slither across the deck just inches from my feet. Frozen, I watched, as I realized what I was seeing. It was a shiny, wet tentacle, slowly wrapping around the hull. I had to be dreaming. Maybe the rain in my eyes was making me see things. There was a cracking sound followed by screams, and then the sound of an explosion. I didn't see fire, but what I did see was the boat coming apart splintering into hundreds of tiny pieces. I hit my head when my feet flew out from under me. I remained conscious enough to feel splinters digging into my skin as I slid down towards the center of the boat, down towards the ocean that was beginning to swallow it up. When I hit the water it felt ice cold. It was enough to set my mind right from the bump on my head. The boat, sinking into the ocean, began to pull me down with it. I tried to fight against it, but I was not strong enough. Everything seemed to be happening in slow motion. I could see tiny balls of fire light up the dark world around me underneath the water. There were bits of ship all around me and articles of clothing. I could see someone else struggling in the distance, but the ocean held us prisoner. I was about to give in to the darkness that had began to embrace me as exhaustion had overcome me when I bumped into something large and slick. I slid my hand over it, trying to make sense of it all, hoping to get my bearings and find a way out of this nightmare. I managed to turn my body around and face what I was touching. I was too stunned to be scared. I was staring into an eye the size of the wheel that had earlier been steering our boat. It was a massive glowing orb the color of fire that I stared into as the explosions behind me lit up its iris. I knew then what had happened to my father, and I was going to get my wish to follow in his every footstep. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Unexplained Encounters and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week as I talk about The Watcher House on 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. Was it a haunting, a possession, or something even more evil? Until next time... Stay safe out there because this world is a strange one.